Hello there, and welcome to Podventure Time. My name's Pat. My name's Ben. Ben, what's up? Not much. How you doing? Uh, you know, I'm living. Just watched some Adventure Time. Me too. Oh, cool. Hey, you want to talk about that or anything? Uh, okay. Okay, cool. So, uh, let's call it Pat Venture Time. Mm, let's call it Pod Jake and Finn Show. That, that that almost works. I feel like it's got too many syllables, though. Maybe just Jake and Finn. Let's call it Adventure Time. Oh, wait, no. That's copyrighted. Let's call it Podventure Time. Podventure Time works. Why don't you uh, give me a quick pitch for, for old Podventure Time? Uh, so how about you? You try to make me watch the show and become a super fan. I will watch two at a time, and we can... Uh, Talk about it and see if I start to like it. Yeah, okay. You think maybe we should dive like way too deep into 11 and 12 minute cartoon episodes? Yeah, like way too deep. Okay, cool. Because I have uh, a solid three pages of notes on these last two episodes that we watched. (laughs) Which, by the way, uh, are season two, episodes 11 and 12. And uh, that was some pretty good early podcast banter, but why don't we just jump right in now to Season 2, Episode 11, which the creators of Adventure Time have chosen to title The Chamber of Frozen Blades. Woo! So, uh, let's talk about the episode first, and then we'll talk about what we liked and what we didn't like. I, sure. So, generally, this episode, this is a Ice King episode. The Ice King returns. Yeah. Uh, he's had a lot of, I think he's got a lot of airtime in Season 2 of Adventure Time. Uh, I know he's a main character, so I, I'm not surprised, but... He's been he's been featured heavily. Yeah, he's he's a really good foil for Finn and Jake, I think. Indeed. Uh we open with Finn and Jake's doing a stakeout. They're staking out yeah, the conducting some surveillance. They're staking out the Ice King's palace with a friend. Uh I'm calling him Flamo in my head, but I bet he had a better name than that. Very close. It's Flambo. Flambo. And he somehow he is a anthropomorphi- anthropomorphized flame who has insight into the Ice Kingdom. Yeah. And he talks just like a uh, jailhouse snitch in a gangster movie. Yeah, is that a... What accent? Is that a Bronx accent? Or like a... It's something like that, right? Like it's, Yeah, I'm, I, I have not spent enough time in New York to differentiate between the boroughs very well. But it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a gangster accent. Um, well, yeah, so they're staking out the Ice King's place on a tip from Flambeau that the Ice King is plotting yet another princess abduction. So they are, Which should surprise no one. Right. That sounds like a pretty solid tip. So they're there, and I think Flambeau even says, you know I'm on the level. <laughs> Which was a bad whatever accent Flambeau has. I did a bad impression of it. But they're there, and they're staking it out. Uh, Finn's getting a little tired of stakeouts. I think the, the lack of action kind of wears on Finn's nerves a bit. But Jake is there trying to reassure him and calm him down, reminding him of his ninja training because this and this episode features heavily around Finn and Jake's belief that they are indeed ninjas maybe not even belief like they seem to be legit have like martial arts skills 
Yeah, they uh, end up being very successful at being ninjas. It all starts, it sounds like, when they find the How to Be a Ninja book in a ditch. <laughs> right, right. They're, they've, they're certainly self-taught ninjas, if anything. Uh, if, but they get a little tired of the stakeout, but then they see the Ice King emerge from his palace and fly away with his, uh, with his trusty sidekick, Gunther the Penguin. That's right, and he looks just a little too happy, so they think he must have kidnapped a princess if he's smiling that much. Which, you know, is is uh, imputing a large degree of guilt to Ice King, but then again, Ice King, from what I've seen, seems to really suffer from sort of a lonely depression. So if he's smiling, it maybe isn't a bad assumption to think there might be a princess in a cage somewhere. Right, so Finn and Jake make their move to try and do a little surveillance while the Ice King is away. So they fly over to... Uh, or they hop on over to the Ice King's palace and jump through the window. Yeah, I should I should say that smiling is is not probable cause for a warrantless search, but right. that's not stopping Finn and Jake. And I, that's good that you bring that up because then we get into even some uh, we get into some pretty deep warrantless searching through the Ice King's palace. Finn and Jake enter the palace, and they the first shock is that there's no princess there they were sure that they would find a princess if the ice king was so happy but there is no princess there which they then rationalize that the ice king must be out kidnapping a princess right now so what they should do is search for proof that that is what is happening which starts to feel a little bit like entrapment Yes, it does. And Finn expresses some uh, trepidation, I think, at the idea of snooping through Ice King stuff. At at one point, uh, Jake starts to read Ice King's diary, and that makes Finn very uncomfortable. So Finn seems to have sort of this innate sense of justice, and he, he's not comfortable with depriving Ice King of due process like this. But Jake, of course, is able to talk him into it and They've decided that Ice King must be out kidnapping a princess, so let's just hop in his <laughs> dirty clothes hamper, which looks legitimately horrifyingly disgusting, uh, and we'll wait for him here until he comes back with a princess. Yeah, it's a clothes hamper that also has a bowl of spaghetti down in it, so it is definitely a disgusting place to be. Yeah, it's got all kinds of clothes that we never see Ice King wear. I feel a little robbed of the fact that uh, we only ever see him in a muumuu and, I guess, track shorts that one time when he was a nice king, but... Otherwise, I'm not really sure that Ice King does laundry. Well, I mean, I agree. And I think we're also robbed often of the Ice King's prowess on the drums. I mean, they're there all the time. I would, That's true. I would love to hear him, uh, you know, I don't know. What, what's a drummer? I don't even know what the uh, metaphors are for drumming. Hit the skin? Oh, no, just get down on the skins and tubs, as he calls them. <laughs> skins and tubs. That's right. Uh, that's right. So, uh, but anyway... They, they're doing, the, Finn and Jake are rifling through the Ice King's stuff, warrantless, and without, without real cause. Uh, they're doing it based on their own preconceived suspicions of the Ice King, and whether or not those are founded is a little irrelevant, because they are, they're legit just going through his stuff. They, they go beyond the diary, and they even accidentally, but end up turning on his computer and going through his personal files on his computer, which involve a lot of hand-drawn pictures of him and princesses having a good time. I mean, and literally, yeah. and I don't mean that euphem- like as a euphemism, they're like laughing and like playing together. Ice King is exercising his First Amendment rights, and 
they uh, take that as further evidence that he must be committing a crime. And Jake is really gleeful about the whole thing. He seems to enjoy it. He even wants to do a drawing on the computer himself. And that's where Finn draws the line. And it's in their struggle over the computer as Finn tries to get Jake to stop drawing on the computer. I think mostly so they don't get caught. But in any case, the computer ends up flying across the room and breaking a sort of glass window that is filling an archway. Right. I suppose it's an ice window. Yeah, everything in there is ice, I think you can assume. So yeah, they basically break through a wall, a thin wall of ice, and it opens up a secret anti-room, anterior room, interior room, uh, a secret room that is inside the Ice King's cave. It's a cave within a cave with Jake, I thought was a good joke. Uh, it says, who would build a cave inside a cave? Uh, <laughs> but it is full of ninja stuff. and it, Yeah, it looks like Ice King might be a ninja too, or at least he's into it. Yep, and that that actually gives Finn some pause um, a little bit later, but I think we could talk about it now. Um, Finn kind of notices, you know, the Ice King's into ninja stuff. Does that make being, Does that make ninja stuff not cool? And Jake rationalizes no, because the Ice King has hidden his ninja love, and that's what's not cool. If you wear your ninja love on your sleeve, then you're being honest and true to yourself, and that's cool. Yeah, I think that's actually a pretty good statement about self-confidence. Yeah. So uh, they do find, though, that the ninja, uh, the ninja, the Ice King does, in fact, have a ton of ninja stuff, including a first edition manual of Ice Ninja skills, I guess. is I can't yeah. remember exactly what it's called, but yeah. And it is full of stuff that teaches Finn and Jake... How to do some pretty sick stuff, pretty sick skills. A lot of magic. Yeah, they're ice sort of magic. creating ice weapons out of thin air. Yeah, ice magic and vanishing in a snowstorm and blizzard powers. They they learn a ton and uh, are they're having a great time. Meanwhile, we check in on the Ice King. Where has he actually gone? So Ice King has taken Gunther to the hospital... Uh, and ever the sociopath, he freezes the people in line in front of him and gets right up to the check-in. It appears to be a hospital for rocks, which I can't explain, but in any case, he gets right up to the front of the line, and and then in one of the best lines of the episode, it's pretty sick bird on Ice King, the nurse or the receptionist says, so are you checking in as a patient or a cadaver? Right. The The Ice King bristles, tells her that he's as healthy as... Something he's he's definitely a hel- he's a healthy individual, uh, but he is here because his uh, his penguin Gunter is sick. Yeah, Gunter needs medical attention. Yeah, so he is not out looking for a princess to abduct. He is trying to save his best friend. What could be more genuine and heartfelt than that? Just a wholesome dude. Wholesome. That's the word. So they Gunter gets uh, admitted. And their doctor shows up, and the doctor's name is Dr. Princess, which right. which gets all kinds of feelings started inside of the Ice King. The Ice King starts hitting on her almost immediately, and I think delivers a great line saying, uh, you know, please save my penguin, because if without him, I'd be all alone. Without him, because you see, I'm a widower. <laughs> and the Dr. Princess, you know, says, oh, I'm so sorry, and... What, uh, how did your wife die? And Ice King just goes, oh, is that what that means? 
Yeah, he he seems to believe it's just a lonely old man. Yeah, he thinks it just is like a line you use to attract women. But it, Gunter is in some dire straits. It turns out something medical is certainly happening to Gunter, which is actually yeah, Gunter looks unwell. Which is actually how the princess, Doctor Princess, diagnoses him. She says literally, "Whoa, something medical is happening." Uh, but Gunter starts to swell up like a balloon. And we leave Gunter at that moment to go check on Finn and Jake, who are destroying the Ice King's palace while testing their new ice ninja skills. Their fri- frigitsu, I believe, is what it's called. Yeah, they're going wild. And uh, I think it's to be expected. You know, you give Finn and Jake new powers, they're going to test them out. You bet. Although it probably is on them that they found those new powers in the Ice King's palace clandestinely. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, they they are essentially stealing from the ice. I mean, they, they've they stolen... Not They haven't taken anything out of his house, but they are using his stuff. Yeah, it's certainly... It could be his IP. Right, exactly. There's an IP lawsuit in the, in the offing <laughs> here. Um, by, by the way, people of Adventure Time, please do not sue us. <laughs> Speaking of IP lawsuits... Um, this is fair ass use. <laughs> the um, so Finn and Jake are destroying the place, and the Ice King returns. And Finn and Jake are they first hide, but then they hear the they hear the Ice King speaking pretty sweetly to something that he has brought back with him, and they assume it is a princess. Who they so then they jump out to confront him, and the Ice King is surprised to see Finn and Jake, rightly so. And Finn and Jake are surprised to see that the Ice King does not have a princess with him. Yeah, it's not clear who he was talking to as he was walking in and saying things like, well, this will be your new room over here. Yep. But it is quickly revealed that uh, they that Gunter is there, and he is well now, which is great. And Gunter has something with him, and it is an egg. Gunter was yeah, you know, I, uh, pregnant. I think that I'm going to start using they pronouns for Gunter. I'm a little worried that we may we may be misgendering Gunter. Yeah, uh, the- Ice King takes a good look at his undercarriage. It doesn't seem to reach a conclusion. <laughs> and I'm already going back to, to he, him pronouns for Gunter. But Ice King takes a good look at their undercarriage. It doesn't seem to come to a conclusion. Although I'm almost certain that I've seen like nature documentaries where male penguins incubate eggs. So... I would say that we don't have evidence either way as to Gunter's gender. Yeah, either way, Gunter was pregnant, and Gunter gave birth, which lends itself to one gender over the other, but you're right. Uh, I think you're right that we should probably just leave it vague because the show certainly does. But in the event, in the, at any rate, Gunter has uh, birthed an egg, has, has, has laid an egg, and the Ice King is enamored with it. It's such a cute egg. And Finn and Jake feel a little, a little silly. At least Finn does. Finn feels a little, little silly that he and Jake are there when the Ice King, in fact, was not up to anything nefarious. And so the Finn, Finn's instinct is to right it. He, his sense of honor is to somehow right the wrong. And the Ice King is more than happy. He's the I think Ice King is more than happy to all of a sudden have a sort of willing slave in Finn for a time 
And yeah, I think he also uh, is really happy to be able to have righteous indignation. Usually yeah. it's Finn and Jake who are mad at him for what he's done, but now he gets to legitimately be mad at these these guys for snooping around in, in his place while he wasn't there. Yeah, so he sends uh, he sends Finn to, to carry his bag to his room, but as soon as Finn picks up the tactical error, as soon as Finn picks up the bag, something's moving inside that bag. And Finn opens it up, and who's inside? Dr. Princess, who dusts herself off. Mostly, it looks like Dr. Princess mostly just wants to maintain an air of professionalism through the whole thing. And <laughs> she is, she, she informs Finn and Jake that the, the Ice King abducted her, and that she's not even a real princess. It's just her surname. Right. But Finn and Jake now have the proof that they had so hope to find and now they now they now have the uh have the upper hand morally and decide that it is time to fight the ice king to free this doctor princess from his clutches yeah they're gonna they're gonna start a ninja battle but you know before we get into that i think we need to address the fact that finn and jake are using a post facto rationalization for their warrantless search now and this really feels to me like an eight to one Supreme Court decision where Sotomayor writes a blistering dissent in favor of the defendant while uh, probably Sam Alito or some jerk like that writes <laughs> writes the opinion of the court where, well, they probably didn't have probable cause before they went in, but they certainly did afterwards, and so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and allow this search to get in. Yeah, it's very Machiavelli Machiavellian, uh, the ends justifying the means. I just talked about the Supreme Court in relation to our cartoon, man. Oh man, I and I just didn't even blink. I like, yeah, you're totally right. I think uh, I think everyone saw it coming. I think everyone knew that as soon as we started talking about this episode, they were expecting some sort of Supreme Court reference, particularly with justices mentioned by name. I think it's uh, I think it's a something you should expect going on uh, from here on out, listeners. That Pat will be. Pat will probably drop a Supreme Court justice at least once every episode at this point. Yeah, everything that I say going forward is legal advice, and you should take it. <laughs> um, not true, not true, not legal advice. I don't <laughs> offer legal advice. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. This is a this is this whole this whole episode is a an examination of probable cause and uh, assumption of guilt. And uh, post post rationalization, I think you're all. I think you're totally right. I, I, yeah, it, it's a. In any case, in any case, they, uh, it ends with a ninja battle. That's right. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, like any good Adventure Time episode, we got to have somebody battling somebody, and so we get a. Uh, Finn and Jake are feeling pretty confident because of their ninja skills, but then Ice King makes a big reveal. Dun dun dun! He's not just into ninjas. He is a ninja. Yeah, and so we have a we have a we have our own ninja battle on our hands, folks. It is uh, it is knockdown dragout fight that we don't even really get to see. It's kind of like happening in the background while uh, Doctor Princess and it checks in on Gunter and makes sure that the egg is doing okay. And then we have a pretty pretty abrupt ending when the egg starts to hatch, and out of the egg, not a penguin. But some sort of space kitten? Yeah, I don't know, man. I can't explain this one. This is one of those endings where it's just like, well, episode's over. We're about we're about at twelve minutes now. Yeah. Not as weird as 
the tart toter. But that's true. But kind of getting in that realm. Yeah, I would say that there's less context for this one than there is for the tart toter. Yeah. So, but we just have an ending where, uh, yeah, the Ice King notices that the egg is hatched, and then while he's distracted, Finn and Jake land a massive blow to his face, and we freeze frame in a uh, in an art style similar to like the the Bruce Lee movies of the 1970s. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a nod to uh, to kung fu, I think. Yeah, indeed. So, all in all, I thought the good. I thought it was a good episode. It was a pretty. I thought it was pretty funny. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I, I also thought that this was a very funny episode. The uh, the part that I forgot to mention where Jake is reading the Ice King's diary aloud, and so we have John DiMaggio affecting Jake's voice, affecting the Ice King's voice, and it's it's fantastic mm-hmm. and really really funny. Yeah, it's fun. It's interesting to think about. Yeah, that that's that voice actor doing a voice of a character who's then impersonating another voice actor. Essentially, um, yep. that's pretty good. The uh, it's, it's Bender impersonating SpongeBob. If you want to get real removed from where we actually are, yeah, totally. Um, the I thought the part that I liked. I liked Gunter a lot in this episode. I thought Gunter's emotion emotional range. With only being able to really kind of squawk was pretty hilarious. Yeah. The way that Gunter shows affection for his egg got me. It's a yes. vi- it's a visual gag, so it's tough to tough to do on podcast. But Gunter basically just rubs the egg all like into his into their face. Um, yes. And it's a very a very physical demonstrative <laughs> love that Gunter has for their egg. Yeah. But all of it was good. I loved Gunter in this episode and want to see more of Gunter. Don't worry. He sticks around. They do. Um, they do. Golly. It's, yeah. Um, but all in all, I like this episode. I thought it was great. I don't know. What I, th- I don't have anything else to th- say about this one. I think we should move yeah, on. Yeah, I don't think anybody learned any important lessons or anything, but I think that the, the jokes in this one really landed for me. So even if it's, uh, it's not the deepest episode, it, it certainly was a winner in my book. Thumbs up. And so we make now a, a really segue-less transition, I think. I, I can't think of a way to move from Ice Ninjas to episode 12, which is called Her Parents. Uh, we move from frozen water to falling water, and we're going to talk about Lady Rainicorn. What does she have to do with falling water? It's rain. Is she frankly right? Ice and rain, man. Oh, gotcha. Okay, good. Oh, that's well done. No, the listeners got it. I know you were slow, but the, I'm sure everyone else got it. Because well it was, it, was so, it was so good. Um, Lady Rainicorn. I get it now. Yeah. This episode focuses on a pretty classic sitcom trope that a boyfriend is about to meet the parents of his girlfriend. And in this case, the boyfriend is Jake and the girlfriend is Lady Rainicorn. And we are about to meet Lady Rainicorn's parents. But of course we can't just meet her parents because that would be kind of a boring episode. So 
Instead, we learn that at some point uh, in the fairly recent past, although I guess I don't know how long the lifespan of Rainicorns is, so it could have been quite a while ago. Right. Uh, but we get a little bit of the lore of Ooh and learn that at some point, dogs fought Rainicorns in a series of wars. In the Crystal Kingdom, indeed. Yeah. So we have tension. We've, we've got a pre-built in tension. Lady Rainicorn has called Jake to say that she is nervous about her parents meeting him. Because she's free, she's afraid that they will freak out. And yeah, it's 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 like uh, bringing your your Soviet boyfriend home to meet your parents, Joe and Linda McCarthy. Right. That would have been rough for sure. Um, Guess who's coming to dinner? Right. It's all of that. It's Jake. Jake's coming to dinner, and so he talks to his best friend. Finn about what to do. How we how can he possibly diffuse this tension, make his girlfriend happy, and uh, and you know make a good impression on the parents. So Jake has a great idea. He says, you know what? I'll invite the parents over early, before Lady Rainicorn gets there. That way, by the time Lady Rainicorn arrives, he will have charmed the parents so much that she'll just arrive and they'll be all friends already. And then she won't have to be nervous anymore. She'll be so happy that uh, he took the initiative to, you know, make friends with the parents. The plan may be a little half-baked, but I I have to mention that they're discussing the plan over breakfast. And uh, BMO has joined them at the table. And I love it when Jake gives BMO more eggs and he just looks at it because BMO can't eat. (laughs) Yeah, the pile of eggs in front of BMO is getting higher and higher. Yeah, and I, I'm really glad that BMO is becoming a character now and not just a video game system. I love BMO. He's the cutest. Yeah. Jake and Finn start thinking about what they should do ahead of this time ahead of the uh of the head of the Rainicorns arriving, and Finn has an idea. Says, you know what? well, he doesn't he doesn't actually say it. They just sort of leap into action. But his basic plan is they should paint themselves multicolored and paint the whole house multicolored sort of to match the color palette of the Rainicorn lifestyle and the Rainicorn uh, physiology. And by sort of showing how much respect I think is maybe how Finn thinks of it in his, in his mind is like, let's show them that we respect their culture by um, imitating it. Imitation being the sincerest form of flattery, I guess is like... Yeah, and uh, everything looks great as they're rapping about it. Right. They have an amazing rap as they paint themselves colors, but then there's a bit of a record scratch, and we see that the reality is is that they have simply been spraying condiments all over their own house, uh, ketchup, mustard, and the like, and basically making a disgusting mess of it, and covering themselves in the colors and, and this, you know, in the sauces. But it does not they do not look like rainicorns and the house no, there's, does not there's no rainbows going on no it is just a mess jake realizes this too late because there's a knock at the door and the rainicorn parents have arrived yeah as jake is has realized that this plan isn't going to work he's trying to formulate a new one but he's already taken the form of a rainicorn and everything's messed up and then they they get a knock at the door Jake creaks open the door, and it is Lady Rainicorn's parents who 
look a lot like Lady Rainicorn, but, you know, slightly different, a little bit older. They each have a voice box, just like Lady Rainicorn had at one point, that use, that uh, allows them to be understood by, I guess, the audience, because Jake speaks Rainicorn. Um, yeah, Jake Jake appears to be fluent in, in I, I'm almost certain that it's Korean that the Rainicorns speak. But yeah, they... I think just for our sake, you know, it's a little like uh, Hunt for Red October, except they actually explain why Sean Connery is speaking English this time. Yeah. They've got the universal translator boxes that we saw Lady Rainicorn wearing uh, in an episode in season one. Right. They asked to be invited in. Jake is a little hesitant to do so because he's realized the mess he's made inside. But he reluctantly opens the door and to his surprise... The Mr. and Mrs. Rainicorn are thrilled to see that their daughter has chosen a very handsome Rainicorn to be her mate or boyfriend. Yeah, they, uh, they're buying it, and they, they confess that they are just a little blind. Right. But they're, they're buying it for now. They are buying it, and so they, they see Jake as a Rainicorn, and they see Finn as a goblin servant that jake yes his goblin butler goblin butler that uh that jake owns and they are they're thrilled to know that their daughter's boyfriend is rich enough to have a goblin butler they realize this immediately but not until after finn has performed what he calls the traditionally rainicorn rain dance or something like that and bob i i remember her dad's name i don't remember her mom's name but bob says Something to the effect of, you know, Finn, I don't appreciate you appropriating our culture like that. And it's a very, very valid point. You know, I think that the whole plan to some extent was cultural appropriation. But certainly uh, Finn, who, you know, this is the world of ooh, and so I hesitate to impose our sort of racial and cultural hierarchies onto it. But Finn's a little white boy trying to dance around like a rainicorn, and that's definitely cultural appropriation. Yeah, it's it's misguided at best and uh, probably offensive at worst. Um, yeah, the they put a stop to it though, uh, and Jake basically at this point is going along with the ruse and is going to ride this thing until until it falls off the tracks basically. So he right. goes along with the whole thing. He maintains his rainicorn form. He starts referring to Finn as his goblin butler and kind of ordering him around, which Finn is kind of okay with to begin with. I mean, I think he's he's kind of says, you know, like, yeah, I'll help you out. And uh, yeah, I mean, Jake Jake looks at him and says, "Homies help homies," and and Finn buys it. He also, I think, says, "Homies help homies," and so Finn's going to do what he can yep. to assist Jake in this scheme to get Lady Rainicorn's parents to like him. Yep. Finn goes full wingman on this episode and is going to do whatever it takes. So, of course, in classic sitcom style, the stakes continue to be raised and the tension and the uh, the lies continue to deepen to hilarious effect. So, yeah, we get we get to the next uh, the next escalation, which is the Rainicorns asking Jake if he would like to participate in some traditional Rainicorn games. And, of course, he can't say no. He right. has to bluff and act like he knows what on earth they're talking about. Uh, in the first game, I, I'm not even going to attempt to say it because it's gibberish with a uh, sort of sound at the end. Yep. Uh, and that probably doesn't sound good into the microphone. But in any case, what it turns out to be is a game where rainicorns compete with one another to make the most impressive color change in the world. Yeah. Uh, using their magic rainbow powers. 
So, Which we've seen Lady Rainicorn use very, very effectively in the past. Yep. So Bob Rainicorn goes first, and because Jake has to defer, he doesn't know what to do. So he defers the first move, which is seen as a bold but respected move by Bob. And uh, Bob makes a makes the wall turn change colors, and then Jake's turn. He asks Finn. Finn says he can help. Uh, Finn says, "Just act like you're shooting your ho- shooting powers out of your un- rainicorn horn, and he'll do the rest." And so Finn, uh, Jake decides. Jake just sort of like extends his body, his horn, towards Finn, and Finn passes out. Yeah, Finn holds his breath until he changes colors and then passes out. And here's where Finn transitions, I think, from a helpful buddy into sort of the martyr role that he takes on in the later part of the episode. Right. Finn Finn nearly kills himself on this one, but the but it works. Um the Rainicorn parents are impressed by by Jake's style and then uh they move on to other games and we end up with sort of a montage now of all the different Rainicorn games they play, and in every one of them, Finn becomes the butt of the game or the or the victim of the game. It, it, one of them is just one of the games is just uh, basically tossing Finn at a fence with bottles on it, like you would shoot <laughs> like you would shoot bottles with a BB gun, except they're tossing a human, tossing the butler that they still think is a goblin. Finn is really suffering for Jake's benefit, which I think this is really the third episode out of the past, I don't know, five or six that we've covered, where we've got a suffering Finn as a device to draw out some parts of Jake's character. So I feel a little bad for Finn. You know, he was trapped by the gnomes and being tortured, and he was being turned into a crystal, which sounded very painful. And now he is going all out, getting literally everything he can to help Jake pull off this ruse. And so in service to Jake's character, Finn just keeps suffering. But at a certain point, because he's not trapped, Finn actually gets up the gumption to stand up for himself. Yes. And Finn Finn finally gets stands up for himself when the Rainicorns attempt to eat him, right? Uh, no, this. so what happens first, I believe, is so they, they throw him at some bottles and then they play a game that involves throwing him hundreds of yards through the air and he crashes into the treehouse. And that's when Jake comes into the treehouse and says, hey, man, you know, I'm really sorry, but you're doing such a good job. And that's when Finn says, the plan was not for me to get thrown around and kicked and punched or whatever. Right. Not part of the plan. <laughs> yes. But Finn, but Jake... Uh, is pleading at this point and just says, you're just, you're doing, he's, he feels bad, but he just says it's working and just basically just ride it out a little bit longer. And Jake promises it'll be over soon. Please just keep helping him. You know, homies help homies. And then he gives him the world's most effective puppy dog eyes. Yes. And it does win Finn over. Finn finally acquiesces, says, sure. Okay, fine. Uh, I'll keep helping. We then re- we then get to the straw that breaks the camel's back, which is that it's time for a snack, and Jake suggests that Finn will m- make lunch. And the- yeah, and I I think it I think by this point uh, the rainicorns have figured out that Finn is human. I'm not sure exactly at what point that happens, but 
Yeah, Jake Jake sends off Finn and says, "Oh, he'll make a great lunch. Uh, right. He 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 may be a little raw, but he's got great taste." Right, which the Rainicorns interpret and understand as that Finn is lunch, and will taste great, and so they immediately start attacking him, trying to bite him and eat him, and rip his shirt off. Yeah, and Finn starts fighting back, which is incredibly offensive to the Rainicorns that their food would fight in such a way. Yeah, they seem to uh they seem to have sort of a very hierarchical hierarchical or hierarchical view of the world where rainicorns can pretty much do whatever they want to non-rainicorns up to and including eating them. Indeed. Yeah, I, it does very much seem that rainicorns believe themselves to be at the high end of the food chain as well as high end of the moral spectrum of races and right and beings seeing his friend uh being attacked and eaten literally fighting for his life is finally what pushes jake over the edge that he has to drop this charade charade and he expands to his full size to stop the to stop the violence and shout at everyone to stop and then he reduces back down to reveal that his f- standard dog size and, sh- and shape, which is a sh- complete shock to the Rainicorns. Yeah, Jake decides he's got to give up the ghost. Yep. You know, come it, clean. It, instead, he he allows quite a bit of suffering on the part of Finn, but he's not about to allow his his homie to get eaten. Right, and he he gives a speech. He says, you know, even if the Rainicorns hate him, he can't let his he can't let his homie be uh be killed so can no longer play along and must must reveal the lies but again the rainicorn surprise us and all of a sudden do begin doing a oh happy day dance all around jake and seem to be even more thrilled that Jake is, in fact, a dog and not a rainicorn. Yeah, they forgive him instantly and are super happy right. that uh, their daughter has found a dog to date. Right, and that's when Lady Rainicorn arrives, seeing this happen, seeing her parents jump and dance around, and she does not have her voice modulator box on, so she speaks to Jake in her traditional her traditional rainicorn Korean, but Jake translates for Finn and says, yeah, she's... Uh, she said she was worried that they would freak out like this because a dog saved her dad during the dog and rainicorn wars. And they even show a picture of her yeah. dad, as her younger dad, standing with the dog that saved his life. Right. Uh, so all along, Lady Rainicorn was not afraid that her parents were going to freak out and be unhappy with Jake. She was afraid that they were going to freak out and be embarrassingly affectionate toward Jake. And that's exactly what they're doing. So all of this, all of this was for naught. It is a, again, this was just this was just such a, a sitcom setup. And Absolutely, it hit all the notes. It hit all the, the beats that you needed to for this kind of an episode. Really funny. Yeah. Though. So the the plot's resolved. Uh, the parents love Jake, and so now we're now we're again the ending. Man, so weird. Now we're just gonna sit down for a nice meal with everybody and. Uh, <laughs> Um, we should point out, I think, that the Rainicorns were super excited to eat Finn because they were under the impression that humans were extinct. And so the idea of getting to eat an actual human was very uh, exciting for them. And so when we sit down for a meal, 
they're all they all have huge plates of what the randicorns refer to as soy human in front of them. Right. So they're all eating piles of pink mush. And finally, uh, and Jake kind of realizes like, oh, wait, so this is supposed to taste like human? And he looks at Finn reluctantly and then takes a bite and then is he has delighted eyes in his on his face and he goes oh my god finn you taste so good uh, which is unsettling to finn to say the least but yeah so he uh he pokes at his at his food a little bit and examines it and some of the the soy human is formed into body parts kind of like tofurkey and yeah the last beat of the episode is finn deciding to take a bite and then getting a huge creepy smile on his face as we end the episode right so apparently Finn loves the taste of human flesh, or at least the approximated taste of human flesh. Yeah, it's a good thing that he's the last human in Ooh. Right, so can we talk about that? Like, is So he is the last and or only human in Ooh, which is, uh, I mean, is fine, but it's surprising to me. Um, I guess... I guess it's not surprising if I still adhere to my meta theory. Yeah, uh, Finn is indeed the only human in Ooh, although everyone in Ooh seems to know what humans are, so it appears that humans were in Ooh in the in the past that is recent enough that it's in it's widely remembered. And actually, uh, you know, I, I I do think that Finn being the only human fits into the the dream theory, but I. I wonder your thoughts on sort of this. Now we have a little bit of lore of Ooh, the Rainicorn and Dog Wars, and humans having existed there in the past, but no longer existing. So now that we are starting to learn a little bit about the past of Ooh, do you think Finn's just making all that up? Um. Yes, I'm gonna say yes. I'm just gonna stick to. I'm gonna double down. <laughs> Okay. I, I've got nowhere else to go. It would be uninteresting right. for me to just abandon everything at this point. Um, yeah, I think I, I would. I could say that, especially since the war, since the lore rather, is so thirteen-year-old boy-like. Like, like the lore is just fighting. Like, oh, sure. like this this tribe fought with this other tribe. Uh, that's very thirteen-year-old boy, eleven, twelve-year-old boy, however old he is at this point. And yeah, like. A justifi- you know, a justification for why he's the only one there. The human, yeah, like, yeah, he's they, they're extinct in this world. He's the only one left. Uh, I think that's also a you know an Omega Man kind of theory or Omega Man. I mean, not that that's what he's thinking, but it's. I think that's reasonable for him to come up with. Yeah, and you know, another thing that I noticed that uh, was evidence that this is indeed a, a dream of Finn's is that as Finn and Jake are implementing the first stage of their plan and they're rapping and things are going really well you really realize that finn and jake are are able to imagine together very effectively but then when the knock at the door comes everything kind of falls apart and when a third party is introduced into their duo so it's almost like they're they're reading each other's minds as they imagine that they're creating this beautiful rainbow world uh but in fact they're just making a mess yeah I also thought, uh, jumping back to a, the first episode we discussed in, when we started tonight, was I thought that the the bit where F- Jake finds the Ice King's diary, I felt like that was very much a, that's very much a little brother kind of understanding of morality. Like, 
you don't read your older siblings diary don't touch my stuff yeah. don't touch my stuff kind of thing and so not that the ice king is a representation of their of a sibling but i think like the thing i, I th the fact that finn had such a strong reaction to the diary in particular that felt like that was brought in from finn's real world yeah, it's he has more of an emotional aversion to it as opposed to uh, an adult who would have, you know, sort of a thoughtful moral objection to reading someone's private thoughts. Finn is like visibly upset by it and right. has a very emotional reaction where, you know, it could be that his older brother would beat him up for reading his diary. Uh, we're not sure, but he definitely, I think you're right, has that reaction like, oh, that's that's off limits. Yeah. Now... Would a 13-year-old boy come up with a whole race of rainicorns that are kind of racist to everyone else? <laughs> that I maybe mean, maybe is a stretch. Um, uh, that's pretty nuanced and high-level kind of character creation. Uh, but, you know, Finn is nothing, if nothing, he is imaginative. So, sure, why not? I'll let it, I'll let it sit in there, too. Yeah, I don't think we have any any good reason to believe that Finn's imagination has any limits at this point, quite frankly. Right. So yeah, I'm going to stick with the uh, the meta theory and the dream theory that this is still. Um, and if we think about, I, I liked your point about Jake in that we've had several episodes now where Finn has been the um, catalyst for exposing or extracting some new element of Jake's character, mm -hmm. and. Yeah, I think we I think we do have many we've you've sort of hit upon the meta arc of this season so far, which is seeing if Jake can get past his own sort of selfish and lazy personality traits and become a more righteous and moral being. And yeah, where where previously he would just kind of tag along and save Finn when he needed saving and right. Jake has never seemed really totally invested in the quest like Finn is, you know, Finn's out crusading for the forces of good against evil. Jake's just kind of along for the ride and he'll stretch whenever Finn needs it. But we have seen Jake really confront his own ability or inability to be a worthy sidekick to Finn, I think. Right. And in most of these episodes so far this season, I would say that Finn has been sort of the angel on Jake's shoulder. In a sense, of yes. like, and Jake has been his own devil on the other shoulder, I guess, or Jake's innate personality, his surface personality, has been the devil on his shoulder. So I think, yeah, we are we're seeing Finn become the uh, Finn is Finn is being the much more morally upstanding character of this whole season. Yeah, and, and I think uh, it's not not totally wild to think that a little boy would be wrestling with some of these issues of my hero big brother is becoming more human as I get older. And uh, so if, if indeed this is Finn working through his issues, through his dreams, then Jake sometimes starting to fail him, uh, I think is a real thing that you have to come to terms with when you know a mythical figure in your life suddenly becomes human or in this case, I suppose, Magic Dog. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And thank you for adding to the uh, to the dream verse. I think that that's a great that's a great way to put it. Um, let's wrap up this episode, uh, or like our, our thoughts on this particular episode. I I like this one as well. I thought, I mean, I like Rain, I like Lady Rainicorn. 
I was hoping that the old man voice was going to make a return. It didn't. But yeah, the uh, the Universal translators were a little disappointing in terms of their voices, but I suppose we can't have every gag that we love in every episode. Yeah, but the Rainicorns were a great character set, and I thought that the even though it was a, a sitcom setup, uh, I thought they did it, it was wacky enough and funny enough that uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed both of the episodes we've talked about tonight pretty well. Pretty pretty. Yeah, I, pretty I liked good. them both as well. I I think in 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 episode twelve in in meet in in her parents, Jake does seem to kind of learn his lesson. He doesn't suffer any consequences, of course, but. I do think that Finn's suffering has served a useful purpose and Jake comes away understanding a little more what it means to actually be a homie who helps homies. You have to have limits on what you ask your homies to do. You can't just expect them to literally give everything for you. The bro code only extends so far. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and, and the other half of the bro code is not asking those unreasonable things. Right. Yes. Well, so then I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up by saying, for me, moving along the fandom spectrum, these were two steps forward. I thought these were great. I'm looking forward to the next two. See if they're see if they're just as good or, or what what we're gonna find in the next two episodes. Fantastic. Yeah, I think that these were both. If if nothing else, they were really good sitcom episodes. Very much so. All right. Well, that sounds like a show. I think that we're... uh, I'm also, of course, excited to come back for our next two episodes. And until we do, of course, that means that I have been Pat. And I have been Ben. And this has been Podventure Time. Three Jakes? That's one too many. (laughs) 